This morning, also in anticipation of Good Friday and Easter in about two weeks' time, I would like to proclaim God's word from Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 6. And there we read these words. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, Who would have ever thought that a bottle of perfume would have a place in the Holy Gospel, the good news of eternal salvation through Jesus Christ? Of all the things that we might imagine might be included in the Holy Gospel, but a bottle of perfume? This is how it happened. Shortly before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was put before Pontius Pilate, condemned and then taken to be crucified, he was in Bethany having a meal, having a meal with his disciples in the house of Simon the leper. And during that meal, a woman took a jar, an alabaster jar of perfume, broke the jar, put it on Jesus' head, and as we'll see also on his body. And when she did that, you can imagine, because it was an entire jar, not just a dab, but an entire jar of perfume, that smell, that beautiful smell of that perfume would have just filled the entire dinner room. No one who entered that room could have missed the aroma. Now, in the Gospel of John, we learn a little bit more about this meal. We learn in the first place that there were those not only his disciples, but also others who knew Jesus very well who were in attendance. We learn from John chapter 12 that Mary was there and Martha was there and Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead, was also there. We also learn from John chapter 12 that this meal was actually being held, I quote, in honor of Jesus. Perhaps by Simon the leper who had been healed by Jesus and now wanting to show his thankfulness was hosting this special meal for Jesus, for his disciples, for some of his very close friends like Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We also learn from John chapter 12 
that it was Mary, Martha's sister, who had that jar of perfume and who broke it and anointed our Lord. And yet, when the Holy Spirit inspires Mark to write his gospel, he doesn't mention the name Mary, simply leaves it anonymous, a woman. And you may wonder, why would the Holy Spirit do that? Of course, he always does things on purpose. And by the fact that the name of Mary is not mentioned in Mark 12, it draws attention not in the first place to this woman, but to the jar of perfume and to other names that are around this account. For even though we do not hear the personal names, we do hear a little bit more detail about those who were plotting jealously, viciously, cold-heartedly plotting to kill our Lord, brothers and sisters. They were chief priests, verse 1. They were teachers of the law. They were leaders of God's own covenant people. Today we might say, it's a little bit of a loose comparison, but today we might say, it's the elders, it's the deacons, it's the consistory that's plotting to kill the Messiah. And there's something about that, brothers and sisters, because they do it out of jealousy, because they do that out of in part, in anyways, losing popularity among the people. Something about that that just has a stench, a stench of sin about it. It's so wrong, right to the core. And then on the other side of what this woman does, there's a man mentioned by name, Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve one of our Lord's very own disciples. And he goes to the chief priest and he betrays our Lord. And he's given money. We learn elsewhere, 30 shekels of silver. 30 shekels of silver, brothers and sisters, to betray the Messiah. There's a stench to that. The betrayal. Money bit of money to hand over the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And in between the smell, the stench of sin and jealousy and greed that's on one side and on the other side, there's a fragrance of a jar of perfume placed on the head and the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in preparation of his burial because it's through his death that we will also commemorate in a special way in the weeks to come that the most beautiful aroma, the aroma of Christ, wafts into our lives and indeed into the world. I may proclaim God's gospel this morning as follows. Christ's fragrant sacrifice is foreshadowed by Mary's perfume jar. First of all, this gift is incredibly costly, very timely,
and thankfully evangelical, having to do with the proclamation of the gospel. First of all, the costliness of this gift. The Holy Spirit makes it very clear this was not just any perfume, this was very expensive perfume. If you walk into a department store, the bay, if you walk even into a pharmacy, pharmacave, often there's a perfume section, and if you spend a bit of time there, you might notice that there are some very expensive perfumes out there. Hundreds of dollars, even for just a tiny little bottle. You might think, I'd never spend that much money on something like that. But this bottle of perfume was worth a lot more than anything you would ever see in a perfume section of a department store because it was made of pure nard. This was such a rare perfume. The nard plant grows in the mountains of India. And so in order to produce this perfume, you had to have workers who would climb up into the mountains, find the nard plants, harvest the nard plants, and then it was from the roots. They had kind of bulb roots. And they would have to crush the bulbs and then distill a certain oil. There's only a little bit of oil in there, like an essential oil. But they would distill the oil out of there, and then they had to make it into a perfume. And this perfume was not even a little bit of nard mixed with some other much more easily obtained ointments and, and, and uh, aromas. This one was of pure nard. And then even after that very expensive perfume had been made in India, they still had to import it to Palestine. Brothers and sisters, the guess that's made about a year's wages, 300 denarii or so, it's tens of thousands of dollars. I read one who did the calculations and said that in today's terms would be worth at least forty or fifty thousand dollars. Forty or fifty thousand dollars for a bottle of perfume? Someone might say that's crazy. It was very expensive, and not only very expensive in terms of money, but very costly in terms of emotional connection because what would often happen if a woman had such an alabaster jar of perfume it was a family heirloom that's how costly it was she might use a little bit in her lifetime special occasions she would hand it down to her daughter who might use it in her lifetime weddings or special occasions then hand it down to her daughter it go, went from generation to generation and it's not just if you have a nice perfume but if you've received that perfume from your great great grandmother then there's an attachment there and Mary takes this costly perfume tens of thousands of dollars and perhaps generations long emotional connection and she smashes the alabaster jar. And she pours, doesn't just dab a little bit, pours out the whole perfume on the head of the Lord. And we learn from John chapter 12 that she also puts some on his feet, wiping it with her hair. And that's why Jesus said, she has anointed my body from head to feet. 
Incredible what she did. And those who were there, some of them anyways, were so upset. All that they could see were the dollars being spilled in the dining room. Sure, it smelled beautiful, pure nard. But tens of thousands of dollars? Not only were they shocked, they became indignant. They almost became angry inside. And they began to speak harshly, scolding Mary. You've made a huge mistake, Mary. Whatever you wanted to do out of love for the Lord, but this is over the top, unnecessary. The money could have been used in a different way. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has a completely different perspective. He says what she has done is not foolish. What she has done is not a waste of money. What she has done is nothing short of beautiful. Why? She did what she could, says the Lord. She knew, as others did, that the chief priests and the teachers of the law were building in their anger, were building in their jealousy, trying to kill the Christ. In fact, Jesus Christ himself had spoken about this a number of times that as he went to Jerusalem, he was going toward his death. And so Mary knew, not exactly when, not exactly how, but she knew what was coming. And she did not know whether there would be opportunity for a proper burial. And so she did what she could. She did it when she could. She seized the moment at this dinner. And whereas normally at a burial, in order to cover up the smell of death, because when a body begins to decompose after death, terrible smell. And so often perfumes and spices were used to cover over that smell of death. But she did it in advance when Jesus was still alive. She was willing, out of love for the Savior, to spill $40,000, $50,000 worth of family heirloom perfume Contrast that with Judas Iscariot, who was willing to betray his own Lord for 30 shekels, several hundred, maybe a couple thousand dollars in today's terms. The stench of what Judas was arranging compared to the beauty of what Mary did. It was a foreshadowing. It was a symbol. Brothers and sisters, I ask you this morning, do you, do we all 
still recognize not just Jesus Christ died for all of our sins, but does it still amaze us how costly his sacrifice was? Does it still hit us in the heart how valuable his death is for us and our salvation? He died for our sins, all of our sins. Try to add that up in your head. Already from the time when you were conceived and born, a little child, all the things you did wrong as a little child when you didn't even realize what you were doing wrong, all the temper tantrums, all the selfishness, all the beating up of brothers and sisters, all the talking back to parents. Think about all the things through teenage years where your thoughts went wrong, thoughts about God went wrong, thoughts about parents, family, other people that you knew. Think about all the foolish things you did. Think about the things that you've decided but didn't decide in the right way as adults. Think of how we've treated perhaps our loved ones, our spouses, our family members, our children, our grandchildren, our parents, our grandparents, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, office bearers. It goes on and on and on. And in one death, one sacrifice, brothers and sisters, it's all covered. $50,000 of the most beautiful smelling perfume doesn't even compare with the aroma of Christ. In fact, in one of our confessions, the Canons of Dort, the death of the Son of God is described as infinite in value because it wasn't just another man who in a heroic, self-sacrificing way, like it happens sometimes in wars, lays down his life for his fellow citizens or comrades in arms. No, 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 that's not what this was. This is the Son of God, God eternal, who became incarnate, who became man, and not just walked among us and taught among us, but he gave up his life. He died for us. Son of man, but son of God. And the Canons of Dort, chapter 2, says the value of that death, you cannot put a number on it. Fifty grand is a lot of money, but it's not even pennies compared to that which is infinite in value. This is the death of God's own Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, for us. Mary did exactly the right thing. And she did it at a very timely moment as well. For you see, Judas may be thinking through all the money, because after all, as we learn from John 12, he was a thief and sometimes he put his hand into the money bag 
But there were others who were not thieves among the disciples. Did you notice that? And they, not just Judas, the end of verse 5, and they rebuked her harshly. So whatever the number of that they, but there were various people there in that room, disciples, who thought this was totally wrong. Why? Not because they wanted to take some money out of the money bag, but they were thinking about poor people. They said, can you imagine forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000? Do you know how many hungry mouths that can feed? You can give people a meal, a decent meal, for only a few dollars. And that's always such a powerful argument. Undoubtedly, brothers and sisters, you've heard this as well. There's some decision to, to spend money on this or that, and then someone may say, think about it. How many hungry children here in Surrey, in Africa, wherever, you could feed for that kind of money? It's a very powerful argument. It's a powerful emotional argument. And it can even be a good corrective at certain times to think about that. But Jesus says, now's not the time for that. The poor are always there. And you know it, brothers and sisters, you live here, you see the poverty that is also around. It's always the case. And something can always be done to address that poverty. There's nothing wrong with that. But this is a special moment. The Lord Jesus Christ has to teach his disciples to think about not a normal calendar, but kingdom chronology. This is the kingdom calendar. And on the kingdom calendar, this is two days before he's going to be crucified. His crucifixion is the very center of world history. His death and his resurrection is the fulcrum upon which all world history turns and depends. And Jesus says, what this woman, Mary, has done so far as timing is right on the mark. She's doing what she can just hours, days before his death and his burial. And that's the other thing that we need to take away from this, brothers and sisters. We all have our calendars and Pretty soon March will be done, and then it's on to April, and so the days and the weeks go by. But don't look at the calendar next to the fridge. Take your eyes off your phone calendar for a moment. Where's the kingdom calendar at? We are no longer a couple of days before the death of Jesus Christ. We are now some 2,000 years after the death and resurrection, thankfully, of Jesus Christ. And that puts us in the last days of the last days. You see, what had Jesus Christ said just before going to dinner at the house of Simon, the leper? The Lord Jesus Christ had said, and he says to us today, no one knows 
the day or the hour. You do not know when the end will come. You do not know how many days are yet left in the last days. So watch. Be ready. Be prepared. Have your house in order. You see, before the end, we need to have our spiritual houses in order. And this is how it is. When death draws near, whether that's our own death, do we feel it in our own body as the weakness comes more and more, or we see it in a loved one, then it's time for certain things. It's time to make sure that you say what you need to say because you do not know how much more time you have to say it. It's time to, to, to show the love, to make that visit. It's time to pay attention to other things. Put the house in order. There's a certain time for that. And when you can plan it all out nicely, as we like to do, it's one thing. But when you don't know the day or the hour, then you always have to be ready. This, according to the kingdom calendar, is where we are, where the Lord has us. Brothers, sisters, this present world, this present age, is dying. You can say it this way. It's slowly going down. It's becoming more frail. It's becoming more weak. Look at our world. Morally, relationships, relationships between nations, relationships within nations. We do not know the day. We do not know the hour. We don't know how much worse it's going to become. But you can see it if you have an eye, the eyes of faith. It's becoming increasingly fragile. The way that the world thinks, in some respects, it doesn't make sense anymore. But it's as if the, the thinking, the mind of the world, the perspective, it's just becoming weaker and weaker and weaker. That happens sometimes before death. The thinking doesn't work well anymore. The cognitive abilities go down. But that's happening. To our world how much longer the kingdom chronology says this is the time be ready watch let's help each other put our spiritual houses in order and that will center around it's in the room of our life by the grace of God the beautiful aroma of Christ. Because, brothers and sisters, it's not a frantic activity of what we will do to make sure that we enter the new age, the new heavens and the new earth. It's a matter of focusing 
on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and everything that he has done for us. And that's the aroma that the Lord Jesus Christ said in the house of Simon the leper with Mary standing there and the disciples still frowning indignantly at what she had done, perhaps. But the Lord Jesus says, you see that broken perfume jar, presumably the pieces on the ground, that broken perfume jar and this wonderful aroma that is totally permeating this dinner room After a couple of days, the perfume would have been out of the room. Everything's back to normal. But what she has done, says the Lord, it's going to go. And wherever the gospel is preached, not just in Bethany, not just in Palestine, but the Lord Jesus Christ says wherever the gospel, the good news is preached, including here in Surrey. What this woman has done is going to be retold even as it's happening right here this morning. Why? Because the evangel, that's actually what evangelical means, the evangel is the good news of the work of Jesus Christ. And now, look at what's still within us. Look at what's all around us. Because of sin, brothers and sisters, there is much that's decaying. There's much that causes that terrible odor of decomposition. It stinks. people might say it reeks it is a terrible odor and sometimes when there's terrible odors then we get a fragrance we get a perfume and we try to cover over the stench with something that smells nice like pure nard but it's just a cover-up it's just a cover-up the stench is still there it's just we try to put some type of aromatic wrapping paper over it so it doesn't hit us so badly. But you see, this aroma of Jesus Christ, even as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, this aroma doesn't cover up, brothers and sisters. The death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ converts. It transforms lives. It doesn't cover up merely what? smells so terribly in this world. And that then is why the Apostle Paul says this proclamation of the gospel here this morning as it goes throughout this world from Sunday to Sunday, it's not just a perfume that tries to make things smell a little bit more pleasant in this world. No, it's so much more than that. It's the fragrance of life in the midst of death. It's the fragrance of real godly growth in the midst of the decomposition of sin. It's the aroma of a Savior who died
but also arose so that, united to him, we might die to sin and live to God. One bottle of very expensive perfume, but it has its place in the good news. Brothers and sisters, the Word of God encourages us, don't ever forget how costly the death of your Savior is. Don't ever forget the value of what He's given to you. It exhorts us, be ready. Think about kingdom calendar and chronology, not just flipping the pages of another week or swiping to the next month. And be encouraged. Because the aroma of Christ is no cover-up. It is that which transforms our lives and the lives of all those who humbly in faith embrace this Savior. Amen. Our response song is hymn 26, and let us sing that standing. <clears throat>